0: change of any kind is hard it creates resistance for those experiencing the change and requires careful and thoughtful consideration especially when the change is one of a professional nature across various types of organizational change sponsor engagement is recognized as a key element of successful transformations At GP Strategies, our change management approach begins and ends with sponsor engagement, and it is filtered through at every step in between. In today's podcast, with the help of our special guest, we will break down the elements of sponsor engagement and how organizations can increase this key component of change within their own transformations. Welcome to the show. Let's have a listen. Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies, your workforce transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Today we're talking about one of the foundational components of effective organizational transformation and that is sponsor engagement. So here to help us explore this topic, hailing from Bryan, Texas, is today's guest and friend of the show, Cheryl Jackson, PhD, or Dr. Cheryl, as I like to call her. So, okay, she, she couldn't handle it. She, I finally broke her, she's laughing. So before I get even Cheryl to come out here, you know, I just want you all to know for those that are new that um, Cheryl has she is a repeat offender here on the show um, but professionally she's an industrial organizational psychologist whose mission is to change the world one engaged employee at a time and I think that's a great elevator speech right there I mean that is that is just a perfect well-crafted statement so Cheryl on behalf of our many global listeners, I want to thank you for carving time out of your schedule to talk about the importance of sponsor engagement. We appreciate you taking your time. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm good. The Dr. Cheryl is always my favorite part. I think he gets me every time.
0: (laughs) We're going to get you a radio show here. The topic is sponsor engagement. And really in in the planning of this, you know, you said this is really the driving force of effective transformation. And, you know, with your field of study, you are, you know, what I would sort of call a change expert. I wouldn't sort of call you, I would say you are a change expert. That's one of the big raison d'etre's for you here at GP Strategy. So I want to know just what's your personal take on change?
1: Yeah, as we've just talked about at the beginning here, uh, changes all around us. And it's actually one of the things that we connect on at a very human level. When when we talk to each other and we uh, see each other after a while, or even weekly when we get together for for coffee, what's new? What's changing? What's going on in your world? We want to know what has been happening because oftentimes so much does. Uh, Change is inevitable. Uh, The Greek philosopher Heraclitus even said, the only constant in life is change. Uh, And to Mm. bring it a little bit more recent, Benjamin Franklin also said, when you are finished changing, you are finished, (laughs) you're (laughs) done. And so as challenging as it can be, it is a natural and expected part of our lives as individuals. And that really feeds in to organizations as well. We're changing, society's changing, the demands of our customers, are changing and uh, organizations must continue to keep pace with that um, and outpace change to be effective.
0: Following up on that, then how does this concept of this constant nature of change fit into your area of expertise? And for those that aren't aware, that's the the practice of industrial and organizational behavior.
1: Yeah. in you know, we call it business psych uh, sometimes to keep it Keep it simple. It is the psychology of, uh, of individuals at work and psychology of behavior. Uh, so that's where we're looking at why do people resist change? How can we get them on board more quickly? What is it that leaders need to know and do? Um, understanding that individual behavior and how different we really are uh, and what it takes to get an entire group of people uh, to shift into a different direction of any kind. Uh, you know, as, as sometimes we say, oh, change isn't that hard. We're changing every day. Yeah, but it's still hard. If you've ever sat at a, a table, um, you know, sat at a meeting or a show, a concert, and then you had intermission and everyone got up and, some, and you came back and someone was sitting in your seat. How frustrating mm. is that? It, especially at a meeting when you're like, I had the perfect angle. I was, I was <laughs> exactly where I wanted to be. And in my seat, something as minor as that can really set us off and frustrate us or get us off kilter a little bit. And when we're in, you know, this VUCA world that we talk about a lot volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, there's change all all the time. Uh, and that's just something that we need to accept and improve on. There's got to be a, a consistent way to engage with that change so that we can bring everyone on board effectively. And so this ability to keep pace or even outpace change is a true competitive advantage without within organizations. So we have to stay on top of that change. And that's whether it is a um insignificant change or a full-fledged change effort that we engage in as an organization.
0: Okay, so Dr. Cheryl, tell me a little more about what you mean by a full-fledged effort.
1: Yeah, so in some cases we may have orga- organizations may go through this very specific detailed change effort. So as a company or as an organization we're implementing a new technology. Maybe we're changing from a hybrid work model uh, or to a hybrid work model from being all uh, remote or all on site, Uh, maybe restructuring the workforce. These are significant changes that oftentimes a team comes together, a project manager, a change manager, you have a formal sponsor and there is a process in place to get uh, employees from A to B. And in those cases, a full plan is created. I call that a full fledged change effort. Everyone knows this is going to be a challenge. But in our ever changing world, change teams aren't always brought in to drive this change. It's just happening. And you know, it happens within teams, it happens across the enterprise, um, and even with specific locations, may have an adjustment to fit their region or their specific needs. And those adjustments are constantly being made without aligning resources. To, that, uh, to the successful implementation of that change. Um, now, that doesn't mean they shouldn't have resources set aside to <laughs> focus on that change effort, but it, it doesn't always come into play.
0: Okay, so I know you've been in this field and this practice for quite some time now, so can you give us a few practical examples of this constant change that you've really had to help organizations grapple with? Uh,
1: yeah, you know, in certain industries, there are uh, say regulations that get rolled out quite frequently and that's just part of their um, accepted, expected practice. So human resources often have new regulations that come, come around. Uh, in utilities organizations like gas is a highly re- regulated industry and sometimes they have changes that need to be implemented. Union uh, changes or restructures, uh, contracts that have to be um, managed with those changes and they're just expected. They just come and go. And we expect employees to just adapt to that change because, hey, you knew what you were getting into with this. And we kind of forget that those are uh, pretty significant changes.
0: So if change is happening every day, even if we don't have a well-planned effort, you know, from your experience, what are the most important elements for change to succeed, to stick, to truly have an effective transformation.
1: Yeah, you know, um, in true fashion, they're all so important, Michael. All of them.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> don't use that.
0: <laughs> don't use that doctor psychology speak on me.
1: <laughs> but there is one that I would say we've been alluding to it. The top most important element is absolutely sponsor engagement. It begins that domino. If you think of a line of dominoes and this beautiful Mm. patterns, you've seen them get more and more complex. Um, The first domino gets pushed. Someone has to push that domino. And then sometimes, you know, they get off course a little bit. And although it's hard in a domino setting, that sponsor is the one that comes and gets them back on track, straightens straightens them up a little bit so that they can continue to have that effect of creating a beautiful pattern or tumping over a water bucket or whatever it is that they're doing, they reinforce that tumbling process. And if no one is driving that change from the top, um, that those key leaders that are in place that people are looking to, uh, to say, how do they want it done? If no one is doing that, uh, regardless of how powerful the rest of the process is, or the rest of the plan it can be very challenging uh, for that to be effective.
0: So Cheryl, you're describing the sponsor as that's the catalyst, it's the domino that starts it. And we know there are in organizations, all kinds of stratifications and layers and divisions and silos. So, you know, the obvious sponsor that you think of is that CEO on high on an organization, but from your perspective, What are the the various tiers and levels of sponsors and their roles within an organization?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, that key sponsor or uh, the the one that we're really looking toward to serve as that sponsor status in formal change efforts is that person who is ultimately giving the green light to the change, the transformation. They're the ones putting in the money, the resources, uh, and being that key not decision makers so much. They're not the one driving or physically driving the change, but they're the person ultimately responsible. So not quite the CEO, but who's that CEO looking to when this transformation is either a success or a failure? Failure. The person whose name is on that effort. And you know, sometimes we have these smaller changes, maybe within um, a location or a team or a function. It's the, the sponsor would be that top level person that is overseeing that team, department, or function. Again, the person with the ultimate leadership status, the money, the resources, and the weight of this change is resting on their shoulders. So, if it's an internal team change, it could be the, just the, the manager of that team saying, I'm taking responsibility whether or not this fails. Uh, or succeeds. I'm putting all my eggs in this basket and I'm, I'm moving forward. You can look to me for uh, the, the approval of what you're doing. And I will ultimately say yes or no.
0: So this is something I think from the outside looking in, you might get a little bit of confusion or ambiguity here, because you're saying the sponsors is often not the one, I don't know if you'd say in the trenches doing the work, but they're the one who they've, they've, uh, they've endorsed it. They're saying it's the, the way to go here. So, you know, why, from your perspective of seeing this play out, do we need a leader of influence or power to support this effort? Um, specifically in the worlds you've been talking about, like new regulations or technology implementations. What, what have you seen? Why is that such the missing link?
1: You know, I I say leaders are not the ultimate drivers of change because they're not necessarily change agents. They don't understand all of the different steps. They know what they want done. They're willing to pay for it. They're willing to put their name on it. But they don't necessarily have this experience uh, holding the hands of an organization and helping walk them through the process of change. And so that's why they don't necessarily drive it. Sometimes they are. But what they... uh, you know, depending on what level that is and if it's their change or um, they're, they're just sponsoring it. Um, but the leaders and ultimately the sponsors are uh, key primary drivers of culture. And it's their influence that that determines that culture. You know, a lot of times as, as a mom and as a, a woman, I also say often say women and families set the tone for their family. They they manage the emotions of the family. You always heard happy uh, wife, happy life. I don't agree with that. I think it's happy spouse, happy house, but there is something to that as um, parents and um, spouses often do have set the tone for each other within a family. And leaders do that within their organizations and within their teams. So they drive whether or not um, those employees, accept the tenets of that change, whether the culture is established to uh, support it, if the right processes are in place to support and uphold what we're asking them to to do. We all look to that leader to say, do you really care about this or am I doing it for nothing? If I do it this way, which is going to be harder and new and something to learn, am I going to be rewarded for that? What happens if I, I fail? I try, but I fail. Is the structure, the the reward system supportive of put me putting in this kind of effort? Or do I need to resist it as long as possible? Uh, and a, another key element of that culture is showing that our our research, we, we have an engagement survey, and we work with clients on these engagement surveys. And that research shows that through crisis or significant change, such as the change experience during the pandemic. Success through that change was driven by three qualities, and that was relationship with manager, trust, and individuality, and change agility.
0: So you're saying really that that quality of of change the is underpinned by. The relationship with the manager, trust in the individuality, and change agility. So let's start with that first one relationship with the manager. Tell us more about that, Dr. Cheryl.
1: Yeah. So when we're asking employees, what is driving your engagement? We ask it in a number of different ways, but as we pull that data together, even through significant change like we experienced, relationship with our manager was really the the linchpin of whether or not they maintain engagement and productivity throughout that significant change, that crisis period, if you will. And so what that looks like is sponsors they're and, and teams and managers, they're engaging regularly with their teams, and that sets the foundations for managers to engage regularly with their teams. So we talk about leading by example, setting the stage, setting the tone. If I am a top level leader and I'm not meeting with my team, that tells my team that they don't need to meet with their team, I don't care. And then they don't meet with their team. And that sets that domino effect that says, we don't really value meeting regularly with your team members. So that relationship with your manager is so critical for successful change adoption, for transformation and for surviving through crisis as an organization.
0: I was going to say what you're saying to me, I'm bringing back memories of different changes, either I've been passively observing or directly observing. And you're right. It's like when you said the sponsor is setting that culture, if they're not walking the talk, no one else is, right? That's right. that's huge now the second point that you had there was trust in individuality so i'm curious if you can share more insight about this second tenet
1: yeah employees want and need to trust their managers if they're going to open up and have a relationship there's got to be a foundation of trust and that trust we found in our research is built upon being seen as an individual so it's if you look at kind of a tier a tiered approach if you treat me as an individual You see me for, um, and we do a lot of DE&I work, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion work, which Mm -hmm. is thinking about belonging and individuality. I see you as an individual, not a teammate, not someone on this team just like everybody else. And that's one of the things we talk to our clients about is say, everybody's having a hard time right now. Everybody's dealing with kids at home. Everybody's stuck at home. I know everybody is, but I need you to know that I am, that this is hard for me, <laughs> that this is challenging for me. And those leaders who were better able to do that and to see them, those individuals felt more, a greater sense of belonging within their team in that organization. They had a greater sense of trust with their manager and they had a better relationship with their manager, which led to greater engagement and productivity through change. And again, that sense of individuality and trust must be modeled from the
0: top down. Well, I can see that's music to my ears just hearing about that, you know, in terms of when someone sees you beyond your role and they see you as, you know, someone with unique challenges and they empathize with you, uh, that just makes you want to go that extra mile on that end. So I can see that it's just light bulbs are going off on that. Me, Dr. Cheryl. Now, the third point you had was change agility. That's so, right. unpack this one and, and its role with sponsor engagement, pretty please.
1: Yeah, so change agility, as from an individual standpoint, this is your ability to adapt, to flex, to adjust, your resilience. How quickly do you bounce back when things are challenging and tough? You asked me to sit in a different seat. Do I cry about it? Do I pout about it? Or <laughs> I go sit in a different seat and adjust my chair and I'm okay and I roll on. Organizations are built up. By individuals. So we have got to have individuals that have these competencies in order for the organization to have these competencies. And if the, the leader, the sponsor must support the development of those competencies within the individuals in order for that culture to be established, how quickly as an organization do we bounce back? Do our processes have so much red tape that we can't make the adjusted need? changes even if we needed to? How quickly can we move from one step to another? That's change agility, mm-hmm. And the ability to do that well really determines the success or failure of a transformation effort. And leaders are primarily responsible for driving that culture of change agility within their organization.
0: You know, there's a, there's a saying I've heard and I've used for several years, which is culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And everything you're saying right there just aligns really closely, but you also then brought in some real teeth, some real meat to that with relationship with the manager, trust and individuality and change agility. So as we move forward here, I want to take us forward. And when we think about leaders and either potential or future sponsors, what from your perspective do they need to do to be able to be ready for change in the future?
1: Yeah, you know, so many times we wait around for change to happen and we think, oh, we'll we'll handle that when it gets there. But all of these things leaders and sponsors can begin to do now to start building the relationships with their teams, to start practicing seeing those as individuals and not snapping back with everyone is challenged right now. Just, just <laughs> do it. Um, and especially when it comes to change agility, you have to start developing that early And middle managers often feel like they don't really have a lot of say but i'm just the person sharing it i am communicating this but what our research shows is those middle managers like i said are the linchpin of whether or not change is successful or not and you know it goes up and it goes down Um, but everyone is someone else's manager and everyone is is an employee to a manager and so that's what we talk about this trickle down and there are things that these managers can do specifically they can upskill yeah. themselves on how to be a better manager, how to be a more inclusive leader, understanding the differences in individuals and practicing emotional intelligence, really developing that within themselves. And organizations can help those managers develop by putting training or programs in place to help develop that on an ongoing basis. Begin meeting regularly with your team. Just touch base, set one-on-ones. How's it going? Let's have coffee. Let's chat. Let me understand what's going on in your lives and have that open and honest, transparent communication, even about the little things. It's going to be easier to to start small and just be open with what's been going on um, with the organization and sharing as much as you can. Some people are naturally more tight to the chest uh, or to the (laughs) vest. That's the phrase, um, but they keep the information closer together and uh, they they don't share that information as openly and just saying, you know what, why am I holding this information back? Why am I not communicating more open and honestly and just practice that even in the small things, treating your teams as individuals, recognizing the, the sporting events and the activities of their family and start to get to know them as individuals. And then you see how that plays into their workplace. Mm. Follow through is a big one in trust. Many, All of us have probably experienced that time when um, a leader or a team member didn't follow through and how that really hurt our trust in that person. Uh, Begin practicing that now. That's not something you can just turn on. If if you've ever had kids and they've broken your trust, you say, this is (laughs) going to take time to heal. You know,
0: it's going to (laughs) take a while
1: to trust you again. Um, And then building those relationships with teams through active engagement in their work and their lives. Build trust through transparency, respecting them as individuals, and creating culture of openness, learning, and adaptability within your your teams. This is how managers can make a huge difference in change effectiveness, even before that change is even a thought.
0: So, Dr. Cheryl, you've shared a lot of wisdom, a lot of hard-earned wisdom, I'm sure, over the years of of practice here. Um, As we're stepping away, and again, I wanna thank you for your gracious time here. What would be some last thoughts or key tips that you would share on how to be a great leader through change? What are your thoughts on that?
1: You probably picked up on it, but individuality is my number one. I'm incredibly passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically through the lens of belonging. And in order to feel like you belong with an organization, you have to feel known. You have to hmm. think that your team sees you and knows you as an individual. And I love to apply thi- uh, help people apply things to their lives outside of work. This is important for your spouse, for your kids, hmm. for your friends, for your community. Take the time to see individuals. <laughs> Deep down, we know everyone thinks they're special. But we, as individuals, <laughs> we really do believe our circumstances are unique. This is our life. It doesn't matter if everyone else is living it we are this is the first time that we are living it ourselves and we want to know that our managers recognize our unique challenge gifts and characteristics so the moment we think that our manager sees us as anything less than an individual we lose trust and engagement in the work as a whole and at that point it takes a lot of effort to regain it mm-hmm. so treat every person as an individual rather than a means to end.
0: that is the alpha dog of the wisdom right there and you know selfishly <laughs> as an individual, I I was really my ears were perking up here because everything you were saying, I thought this actually could apply with my kids, or you know, it's like you said, it's not just for work. It's for uh you know helping people be their authentic self and and feel respected and understood at, at any level there. And you've done a great job of of sharing so much of that. Dr. Cheryl, if any of our listeners want to know more, what would be a recommended next step for them to get in contact with you or our organizational behavior practice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have so many resources through our learning uh, and leadership development functions, uh, as well as our change management practice. Uh, I'm the practice lead for org design and change management. And we would love to help um, point, point you in the right direction, as well as help support you through consulting and our methodology. Our methodology is quite powerful and incorporates all of these different elements. So we would be glad to
0: hold your hand and support you. Awesome, well, on behalf of our many global listeners, Dr. Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing your time and we wish you a wonderful evening. We appreciate you. Thanks so much. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.